Welcome to Women of the Wild, where education and opportunities are key, and friendships are made to last a lifetime. You think we got him? You think we got him? We got him. All right, Skylar, what do we got here? We have a nice looking rip off. Welcome back to season two women of the wild podcast. We would like to first start off by thanking our title sponsors for the 2024 year. Atlantic Coral Enterprise, one of the largest import dealers in the world with excellent quality for hides, skulls, shells, and amazing gifts for friends and family or even your household. You can find them at AtlanticCoralEnterprise.com. RM Custom Calls, multiple world championships from Main Street to Live Duck. American-made, veteran-owned, when you want to win on the stage or in the blind, we have you covered. Small shop, big sound. You can find them at rmcustomcall.com or on Instagram. We also have Rhino Land Safaris, providing exceptional quality with unmatched hospitality and cuisine, offering African safaris, a destination hunt for the avid rifle or bow hunter with some of the best trophy management South Africa has to offer. You can find them at rhinoland.co.za or on Facebook, Instagram. Hey everyone, Andy Lehman here from ACC Crappie Sticks. Just want to let you know about our crappie baits and jig heads. We have a wide selection of the hottest colors and big eye crappie jig heads in the most popular colors and sizes. Check them all out at acccrappiesticks.com. Thank you. And now for today's episode, we hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Women of the Wild pod. I am your host, Linda White, and today I have Aubrey Anderson with me. Aubrey, how you doing? I'm doing great, Linda. Honored to be here. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad that you're here. You are a little different than some of our guests that we normally have on. Um, You're kind of brand new to the outdoors, which I personally love because I did not grow up in the outdoors myself. So I always like whenever it's somebody new, but Let's talk a little bit about your background, who you are, where you're from, all those kind of fun things. Yeah, so um, the, the where you're from is actually funny because I've been asked that many times. And my answer is always I am from everywhere and nowhere because <laughs> I don't have a hometown like the, you know, every uh, most adults have. I, I moved so much. So I'm just from all over. I've lived in all um all of the time zones out of the United States. I was born in Washington. We moved to Minnesota and we moved just so everywhere. I've had every part of the country I've experienced as far as the time zones go. Mm -hmm. So I moved to New York and I've always, I've always loved wildlife. I've always loved the outdoors. I love watching the birds. I love just learning about how the the earth works, how the world is around us as humans who are guests here. And it's, I met my significant other when I moved to New York and he had said something one time and he said, he came, he followed it back with, don't judge me. And I said, well, I only judge people on how they treat animals and how they treat other people. And he is a trapper. So he was like, well, this isn't going to work out very well because <laughs> The way that people see trapping nowadays is those big bear claws with the teeth and, you know, that's how the uneducated people see trapping because that's what we are told in cartoons and stuff. So I said, okay, so what's trapping? Like you're catching these animals in people's houses and letting them go. He's like, no, not so much. And he took me out that year on the line. And I was just so intrigued at how you can take this animal that is free. They roam wherever they want to go. 
and you just get them in this tiny little foothold and they just stay there. And so I learned about, you know, what it takes to do all of that, the lures and the baits and how you place your trap. And and I'm a doer. So I'm like, I want to do it. Let me do it. And he's like, you can't, you don't have a license. <laughs> I was like, okay. So if I get a license, then I can do it. So I got my trapper's education, which is required here in New York. I got my license the following year. I actually caught three coyotes that year, I believe. And we run a very small line. We're probably within two-ish counties. So it's it's a really small line, which is great because we both have full-time jobs. And we check our lines in the morning before we go to work. And then we'll take care of any in the afternoon. So... I caught those first two, those first three, and I thought, this is great. I love this. And you're doing so much for population control and disease management. And I've actually seen that firsthand because the first year that we trapped in our area, and we always run almost the exact same line, every single coyote that we had caught had mange and it was oh. garbage. It was terrible. I was like, emotionally distraught that these animals are running around and they just don't have anywhere to go and disease populates and this is what we're coming out with. And the very next year, from all the coyotes that we caught the first year to the very next year, we did not catch a single coyote with mange that following year. I was like, wow, we did it. It like felt successful. Yeah. (laughs) So... Yeah, so I learned about cool. trapping through all of that. And, and now I'm really being into the hunting and because it's all about disease management, population control and, and learning about the animals. So I, I do it all now, hunting, fishing, trapping. It's, it's like in my blood. <laughs> so I got to ask a question real quick. I'm going to stop here for one second. So let's talk a little bit about your day job. And the reason I I bring that up is because you're a caregiver, I mean, really by trade. So how did that, you know, what what you do for a living during the day, how did that, I don't want to say swayed or I guess whenever you heard he was a trapper, you know what I mean? Like, did you kind of have a little bit of a, a leeriness about it? Or what were your initial thoughts? I guess For a little while, I was like, okay, people still do that. But isn't that like, you know, I mean, it can't be fun for the animals. You're hurting them. Why, why are we even needing to take out the coyotes? Just let them be, you know, what did they do to you? <laughs> Those were my thoughts as <laughs> okay. a brand new person here. <laughs> so, but I'm always so open to learning other, the other side of the story. You know, I didn't even know before he told me that he was a trapper with footholds and, and conibears and all of that. I didn't even know that that still existed in today's world. I was like, what? We're still doing that? And it was shocking to me. And so it was, it sparked a light bulb in my head where I said, I got to learn why we're doing this. I mean, it can't just be because you want to, you want to, you know, go out there and freeze your butt off and check empty traps. And, you know, it can't just be all about that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of. I just I always find it fascinating, like because you're you're right, the perception of of trapping or even hunting sometimes, you know, is that you're hurting this animal. And I mean, you're an you're an LPN, correct? I am. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, as as somebody who I mean, you've you've literally devoted your life to helping others, taking care of others. I always look at it as like, well, what does somebody from that end when they don't know, what do they think? But you were kind of like me where you really didn't have any kind of perception at all prior. Right? Yeah, like I wasn't exposed to any anti-trapping stuff. I just literally didn't know that it was still a thing. Yeah. It was yeah. like not not ignorance or naive. Like I was naive to the fact that trapping still existed right because it's not like as a person that's not trapping now I do it but as a person that didn't trap before I wouldn't see animals and traps on the side of the road right you know because you're not looking for that kind of stuff yeah because you don't think about it but now I'm like oh I I should put a set there you know there's a trail (laughs) right there (laughs) (laughs) that's how I am too when I when I met Michael I was like when he told me it was trapping, I'm like, uh, 
like mice. Like that was my first thought, you know, they're never, you know, cause like, you're right. You don't, you don't see these things. You're not, if you were not exposed to it, you wouldn't think of it. Yeah. And my family growing up, we were not outdoors people. I mean, we would go on like family hikes and stuff in the, in the nature center, but I didn't grow up in a family of hunters or trappers or fishers or, I mean, none of my family members do that. I'm the first person in my immediate family that does any hunting and trapping and stuff like that. And when I first met my significant other, um, my mother actually was like, well, have you looked at his Facebook, Aubrey? And I was like, yeah, why? She's like, I mean, have you seen his cover photo? Because it was a coyote <laughs> in a trap. <laughs> and I really like, I had to like double take on it. And I was like, oh, I thought that was just a dog. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So it's funny because I've been able to kind of mold my mother's opinion on trapping because her opinion on it was that it's torture. And once I was able to learn about it, I was able to, you know, educate that and, and, and put the word out that we're not harming animals. We're doing it for the greater good. So it's it's been like a whole 360 for me. So how long ago did this, did you start? Like, did you really kind of get an interest? I mean, obviously you've evolved over the years, but how long ago did you really start like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go out and do this. I'm going to, I'm going to try it out. 2019 was that year that I was first introduced to it. So in the fall of 2019, I was out on the line with him all the time learning about it. And then 2020 was my first year on the line. Um, so it has been, what are we in? 23, three years, three years. So you've come, you've come quite a, quite a ways in the trapping side of things in three years, because this last year, didn't you do a demo at the, uh, well, you, you were in a talk at the NTA, right? I was, I was in a table talk, a round table talk, um, at the national trappers convention. And that was incredible. I mean, I never in a million years would have ever guessed that I would have been doing something like that. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And you, you've kind of, so, so where have you gone since then? Like, so you started trapping, kind of got your hand in that. And that's kind of, like you said, has got you into different avenues. Like you have tried tanning, correct? I have unsuccessfully tried tanning. Okay, not unsuccessfully. (laughs) I was successful, but there was no fur left. (laughs) (laughs) But I made leather. All right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just, I, when I get into these things, I dive all in. I want to know every single aspect of it. I'm actually in the works of going to taxidermy school because wow. I want to know how to do that part of it. And um, I we, we dabble in, you know, making our own lures or baits um, just to kind of experiment with it. And yeah. that probably has a lot to do with, you know, why I only caught like three coyotes the first year. Cause I was just playing with stuff like here, let me put an egg in a hole and see if it works. <laughs> it doesn't. You know but... what though? So, so to be fair, I, so as, as somebody who has married a bait and lore maker and has now, I have my own line, you would be surprised what you can catch things off of and what you might think works doesn't. And what does work, what is not what you would think, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I never in a million years would have thought that I could catch a raccoon with some fish food and a marshmallow. Right. (laughs) Why are are we wasting good old marshmallows on the raccoons? And he's like, trust me, it'll work. I'm like, okay. They make tasty snacks too in between (laughs) sets. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. So you talked about, you said a little bit about now, like your hunting and everything. So where'd the transition to that come from? Like, I really honestly don't know, actually. It, it, I think it stemmed more from, you know, I think he was so excited about getting me out on the trap line or um, intrigued about getting a woman out on the trap line with him because his, nobody's ever wanted to go on the trap line before. And I'm like, take me. I want to go. I want to learn. So when it came down to hunting, I was like, okay, well, let me go. I want to learn. How are we, how are we doing this? Why am I wearing a bright orange jacket? I can clearly see me from 500 yards away, <laughs> but the deer can't. So, you know, it was, I want to learn about all of these things. And I had ever not, I had never actually had venison until 2020 was the first year that I had to, I had tasted venison. And I was, I remember just eating it like a little backstrap and I looked over at him. I was like, this is a really good steak. I love this. How do they cook it? I want a recipe. And he's like, it's venison, Aubrey. I'm like, what? I went out every year 
and we do rifle hunting and I just every year I was like I'm gonna see a deer I'm gonna see one I don't know if I'm gonna shoot it but I'm gonna see one and I never did <laughs> so I don't know why um I've seen some of them but they were either too small or um you know with a fawn I can't do I it's really hard for me to do that but so I had I remember I had not seen any deer the first year and I was so frustrated. I was like, they don't even exist here. <laughs> they don't even exist. So, if I could hit so, one with my car, but I can't hit one with a bullet, what the heck? I, yeah, especially out there. They're all over the sides of the roads. I'm like, how am I not seeing deer? They're I can see them everywhere else, but not where I'm hunting. Right. And so that was another like goal that I was like, I'm gonna achieve this one day and it just every year I would go out and even if I only got out for like a day or two because I do have a family I, I work full-time and you know it was it's hard for me to take two children out with me when I'm just sitting on the ground trying to watch deer and the first year in 2020 when Casey actually shot a deer that I had been watching this buck for like an hour and a half and I was messaging him. I was texting him and I said, there's a big buck. And a big buck for me is not a big buck for him <laughs> because <laughs> I've never had one before. Right. And so I'm watching it and I'm watching it. And I only have a 20 gauge with me. And he had, I believe it was his 30-06. And I kept telling him, I said, I'm not confident taking this shot. I feel like he's too far away. If you get a shot, take it. I want, you know, I want to take this deer home. And he got a shot on him and... That's when I realized that this is a love the, from sitting there and then harvesting the deer, watching the deer, and then taking that successful shot to tracking it to everything. Um, there was not a spot of blood on the ground. And that's when I realized that I'm actually, I think, pretty good at following those animal tracks um because Casey went one way and I was like no the deer went this way and I followed it and there was not he didn't bleed at all until he dropped and I remember getting up to him and being like so pumped up and if you ask Casey he says that I was like shaking pumping my fists in the air and jumping up and down <laughs> I don't remember being that exaggerated but I probably <laughs> was and I was like right down in there with him while he was gutting the deer and cleaning it out and I was like what are we doing this is so cool and it was that moment where I was like I'm gonna do this I will accomplish harvesting a deer with a gun or a bow or anything I'm gonna do it and I finally so did this year the first harvest now your first harvest yeah wait were you as excited I felt every single human emotion that day I cried when I first took that shot and it was with a compound bow and I had just, I've never shot a bow before June of this year. I just got that bow and I practiced every single day shooting arrows, 20, I mean, 15 to 20 arrows every day so that I could get my weight up because I was always within legal, legal weight for New York state, but I wanted to be heavier than legal weight. And mm -hmm. I did it. And I had that doe, I took a doe just a couple weeks ago. And I remember when that arrow left, I, I felt it when I pulled the trigger that that's a good arrow that hit her good. And I watched it and I literally hardly remember anything after that because it was so much adrenaline that I couldn't hardly stand up. I remember telling Casey, I have to sit down. My legs aren't working right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it was emotional and just unbelievable to be able to do that successfully. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you take a bite of the heart? That's always a big thing for your first deer. No, I forgot. Oh, because yeah. Because I was so intrigued with like making sure that I was getting all the guts out properly and trying to feel inside for everything that I totally was like, all right, here's the heart, put it in a bag, here's the liver, put it in a bag. Like I was in like robot mode. So I totally forgot about it. But well, I'm sure with like the medical field too, like for you and I, and I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure like the how everything works, the inside of, you know, like that's going to be just as kind of neat to see it all. Yeah, too. it really is. And to to have that knowledge of like, here's the deer's diaphragm. I have a diaphragm, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, right. it's just so like, I feel like a child when I talk about it or when I think about it, because I get so excited about it. But it's just, I don't, I don't know, you really can't explain how it feels until you feel it. And, and for me, knowing who you are, 
I could see you being out there afterwards, remembering that you didn't take a bite and being like, Casey, do we still have that? <laughs> like, <laughs> I can see that happening or something like, along those lines. I really, I, it was like hours later and I was like, I didn't bite the heart. I'm a terrible hunter. <laughs> I'm a terrible hunter. <laughs> but crazy. no, I mean, and we do all of it. I, I'm so insistent on making sure that it's done, not just properly, but with as much use as possible. So we brought her home. We skinned her out. I'm going to have her shoulder mounted because she's my first harvest. Um, right. So I'm going to shoulder mount her, but I skinned her out and I, we literally take the deer inside, put it on the kitchen table, quarter it up, you know, pull all the meat off. Like I'm not going to send my deer out to a processor for two reasons. I want to make sure that I'm using everything myself and I want to mm -hmm. be able to do what, do it in my own time. But I took, everything off of her the bones and everything I made down into a broth for some stew and everything so it's really like knowing that these animals aren't being tortured they're putting food on the table for my family so and you literally can't buy food with that kind of quality nowadays unfortunately weeby knives a brand of skinning fleshing and butchering knives perfect for the hunters trappers and fishermen with a unique high quality knife for animals of all shapes and sizes. You can find them and more information at WeebyKnives.com or on Facebook, Instagram. Stonehouse Digital Consulting. Elevate your small business with Stonehouse's expert marketing solutions. Ignite your online presence and thrive with a tailored strategy to drive your growth. You can find them and more information at StonehouseDigitalConsulting.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Livingston County Pheasants Forever, Chapter 465, with a mission to conserve pheasant, quail, and other wildlife through habitat improvements, public access, education, and conservation. You can contribute by joining the meetings on the first Thursday of every month at 7 p.m. at the Howell American Legion Hall on the corner of M59 and Grand River. For more information and to get involved, you can find them at pf465.com or on Facebook, Instagram. Dreamcatcher Charters, a Michigan-based guide service for walleye, sturgeon, and duck hunting with a passion that drives their success, sharing the phenomenal Michigan waterways with everyone. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram. Feather Moon Outdoors, offering calls made from select materials. Every pot is fine-tuned in the house using the highest quality materials available. Also offering diaphragm, slate, glass, grunt calls, and more. For more information, you can find them at feathermoonoutdoors.com or on Facebook, Instagram. Stay tuned, more podcasts to come. Now that you have finally harvested your own deer and you, I don't want to say are contributing to, to a meal or whatever, but, you know, but, but now it's, it's you, it's not, you know, like Casey bringing it home or any, you know, a friend giving it to, it's you. Right. Does it feel any different? Is your perspective any different? Hmm. You know, that's a tough question because I think I've always just been so proud to be able to provide that kind of those kind of meals for my kids. And I really yeah. didn't like, man, that's tough. It definitely is more self. What's the word I'm looking for? Like my appreciation for it is a lot higher now because I did do it myself. This was my harvest, my deer, my arrow. But at the same time, I couldn't have done it without Casey. I mean, yeah. he helped me from literally day one, teaching me how to hunt, essentially. And then with the bow, the archery and all that, he got me into that as well. And and I have a bum shoulder and a bum back. And he was like, no, you can do it. You can do it. And I did. And I really honestly wouldn't have been able to do it without him. So it's not only my dear, but it's, I feel like it's ours. We did it together. Um, right. But it is, it's really. Yeah. The, the reason I asked, the reason I asked is because, so you and I have a, have similar backgrounds where this isn't something we grew up with. This isn't, you know, and, and our significant other is the one who, who really kind of taught us. I mean, we. I've learned a lot from friends and, and different people, but he has really been my rock in it all, I guess you want to say. Right. And for me, you know, I have been there when, you know, he's trapped other animals or when he has harvest deer or, or whatever. But when I, when it was mine, it was almost to me like that I can do this. 
Like if I was ever in a situation where say the end of the world, you know what I mean? Like I, I know that sounds so ridiculous, but you never know these days with yeah the craziness to me it was so much change where it was like I can do this like I don't have to rely on him to help me like although he did you know what I mean like you're you're absolutely right I fully agree like I could never have got to this point without him I mean I guess I could but I don't think I would you know um but for me it was like I can do this like if I need to I can go out and I can you know I can make sure that we have something to eat. I can make sure that I have drinking water. Like he's taught me a lot of things, you know, like it was just a, it was just a change for me. It was a huge change for me. You know what it was, and and you're correct. You're explaining it exactly how it felt for me as well. It was like a weight off my shoulders almost because I finally did it. I was successful. I can do this. And I actually, I did have those exact thoughts. I was like, oh, I did it. I can do this. I successfully harvested an animal so yeah it was it definitely was and I think the only like way that I could explain it would be almost a weight off your shoulders like Mm -hmm. the weight wasn't there before but it was relieving to be able to finally do that yeah and know that you you don't have to rely on something else if you're ever put in a situation that this is a a life or death thing for you you know like yeah yeah, that's that for me that's how that was you know and I maybe I'm being a little dramatic but that No, and I agree. And I think that it would be eye opening for a lot of people, especially when COVID hit down and the grocery stores weren't open 24 seven and their their shelves are empty. You know, it's very relieving to know that if that ever comes down again or worse, I can sustain on my own. I'll be able to provide for my family without any of that. Now being in that in that situation, what would you say to someone who says, oh, well, you know, why would you hunt? Why would you, you know, like, why would you do that stuff? Why are you out just hurting an animal or, you know what I mean? Like, what do, yeah. what do you tell them? So my exact response to that is for disease management. And I always tell people about how every coyote that we caught, probably I think 10 or 13 coyotes we caught the first year had mange. And the very next year we caught over 20 coyotes to, together and not a single one of them had mange. The yeah. proof is right there that it's all for disease management, population control, so that, you know, you don't have a coyote that's chasing down your dog in your backyard in the middle of suburbia, or, you know, you're not running over deer in the highway and then going to waste because they're overpopulated and they're running into areas that they normally wouldn't. Um, It's all for overpopulation. And my secondary one, my that's more my secondary one. My first one is for my family. My boys love doing it. I love doing it. We go trapping with Casey and his fa- his daughter loves to trap as well. So it's like a family event for us. And then secondary is our disease management. What has it done for for your kids? You know, as as far as going out trapping, hunting and all, like like my youngest he he it's so funny he like anytime we tell him that he's gonna go out he's like oh if I have to but then when he goes out he absolutely loves it like yes and I love it because it takes him off of a video game like mm-hmm. uh, it, anything I can get him off of a video game or a computer I'm like that's a score but yeah so what has it done for your kids like oh they absolutely love it when I force them to go <laughs> <laughs> but mom knows best so but I have that's exactly it is for my kids with all of the outdoor stuff that we do hunting, trapping, fishing. I mean, we're beekeepers, we have chickens. Um, it's education for them. My kids, I think the last couple of years when I've gone to parent teacher conferences, the, the teachers are always like, Oh, Caden, he loves talking about trapping and his bees. And I'm, it like makes my heart so happy that this kid is sharing this with his classmates. He doesn't know what these other kids are going to come back with, but he doesn't care. He loves trapping. He loves hunting. He loves fishing. It's it's education for them. And it's so important. And I am so glad that I'm able to provide that for my children. And they'll appreciate it one day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to pause you right there. We're going to take a, a quick break and, and hear from our sponsors. But we'll be back and 
we'll talk a little bit more about beekeeping. And now to the final segment to this week's episode of Women of the Wild podcast. We will conclude this segment by thanking our closing sponsors. Stay tuned for more of this week's episode after this short word from our sponsors. Muzzy Pheasant Farms, a mid-Michigan family-owned and operated pheasant game preserve that is open year-round. Muzzy offers educational courses and hunts. They are family-oriented, creating a great opportunity for new and seasoned upland hunters. With no membership required, come hunt with Muzzy Pheasant Farms. You can find more information at muzzypheasantfarms.com or check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Blast and Cast Guide Service is a veteran-owned and operated Michigan-based guide service for the Great Lakes. With decades of experience of fishing and waterfowl, they ensure a safe and enjoyable trip every time. You can check them out at blastandcastguideservice.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Ultimate Veteran Adventures. UVA offers outdoor therapy, recreation, and camaraderie through hunting and fishing adventures around the country for veterans, active duty military, Gold Star families, and first responders. You can find them at ultimateveteranadventures.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Sawmill Creek Bait and Lures, a husband and wife owned and operated company, the home of the C4, one of the best trapping canine lures on the market. You can find them at sawmillcreekbaitandlures.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Wicked 7 Outdoors, a Southwest Texas outfitter guide service with an exceptional care and quality of backcountry mountain hunts for free range audad. Also offering high fence and low fence exotics, come immerse yourself in the outdoor experience. You can find Wicked 7 Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram. Misguided Outdoors is a female-driven Michigan-based guide service offering turkey and waterfowl hunts. Misguided is focused on educating women and youth, providing a hands-on hunt experience for all ages. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. We thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. All right. Thanks for joining us. We have Aubrey, and if you haven't heard the the first part, uh, she's brand new to, to trapping, hunting, and all of that, but you definitely need to, to check out the first part of the podcast. But the second part, she had mentioned right before our break about that she is beekeeping, and I want to know a little bit more about how that came about. Oh, you know, it might have been just a spur of the moment. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to buy bees. I remember when we first discussed it, it's, we have chickens. We first got chickens for, you know, just because we, we both like chickens, not necessarily for eggs even. We just want chickens around. And the benefit is that we get eggs from them. Discussed having bees at one point. I think we had seen a YouTube video or something of a beekeeper. And I had said, I've always wanted to do that. And he was like, really? Me too. So we got bees. And it <laughs> is frustrating. These little buggers, we bought two hives and they survived through their first winter, which I was so relieved about. I'm like, yes, we've, we've raised the little bees and we have a successful colony. And then the second winter, unfortunately, our colony did not survive. We don't know really oh. what happened, but something, something strange happened in the hive and they just decided that this isn't their home anymore. They're going to move in the middle of winter. But my kids, I've gotten them into it as well. We have them. They're always a part of our honey harvesting days. They are always intrigued at how the colony works. What does the queen do? Is that a worker bee or a drone? I mean, they could tell you about all of it. And it's, I just love that I'm able to share that passion with them. I will sit out. It's my dream one day to be able to sit on my porch and watch my chickens and watch my honeybees go in and out of their hive until like noon every day. <laughs> uh, it's just, I love watching how that wildlife works around you. And these bees, they live here because they want to, because I provided them with a successful home that they feel comfortable in. And they haven't left me. It's really fascinating to learn about all of these things. There are things that I've learned about for beekeeping that I never would have guessed in a million years. Most people know that the females are the workers. When you see a honeybee out on a flower, it's a female. We did not know that all of the males in the hive get kicked out late fall and they're kicked out to go die. And then in the springtime, the female lays more or the queen lays more eggs and the males are born again. So they're just like, bye, we don't need you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I never knew that. That's crazy. Yeah. I know. It's it's these little tiny little creatures are just so and at first I was like, we're gonna get fifty thousand stinging animals in our backyard. This why did we do this? This is a horrible idea. <laughs> I have children, I have chickens, I have a dog, you know. But when it really came down to sitting down and, and putting the hive together and putting the bees in it, I was like, I love this. These are amazing. These are incredible. And I will have a field of of bee, honey beehives at one point in my life. So, I don't know what I'm going to do with all the honey, but we'll figure that out. Well, I I mean, I've had your honey and it tastes pretty good. So I I suggest you could definitely you could definitely go far with that. So I want to I want to rewind for like 10 seconds. So this all kind of started in 2019. In 2000, and, let's go 2013. Did you ever think that you would be hunting, trapping, raising bees? What did life look like before all of this, Aubrey? Oh my gosh. And you know, I don't even think that you know this about me, but <laughs> I was a vegetarian back then. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I was so in love with animals and I always have been, but I was so like, protect the animals, save the animals, that I was a vegetarian because I just thought that if I don't eat meat, then I'm saving an animal. And then I learned that that's not how it works. If you eat meat in when you harvest it yourself, then you're actually helping. You're actually doing good. Yeah, I was a vegetarian in my teenage years into early adulthood. And I wow. honestly, I look back and I'm like, who was that person? <laughs> and I crazy. remember we did meat birds. So every year we usually do meat birds to put in our freezer. And after we harvested our first meat bird, I remember taking a picture with it and being like, if Aubrey from 10 years ago knew what Aubrey nowadays is doing, she'd be shocked. That's awesome. That's that's really neat, though, that you were that open minded to evolve that way. You know what I mean? Like there's so many people out there and not just with hunting or, or trapping or fishing, but in in anything. You know, there's so many people out there who think that this is it and you're not going to change my mind. And yeah. I I find it almost refreshing to have somebody who was kind of on the opposite end, you know, like you said, you were a vegetarian. You thought that that's how you were to, to be able to be that open to say, okay, well, educate me. Tell, show me if I'm really wrong. Right. That's so cool. That's so cool. So what is, what is Aubrey in 10 years from now look like? Oh boy. Well, <laughs> let's see. I'm probably still working. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> um, but I hope that I'm able to have a smaller hobby farm. Eventually, I would like to get little goats and maybe one or two cows for meat and milk. But I just want to have a home and a property that I could live off of. I'm growing my own vegetables in, you know, greenhouses year round, and I've got acres and acres and chickens and goats. And if I needed to, I've got all the meat and produce that I need. That is my ultimate goal. That's super cool. So you finally have harvested your first deer. What are some of your bucket list animals? What are some of the things that you want to do or well, what's next? I am a dreamer and I really, it would be incredible and I wouldn't say it's a bucket list item because it's probably never going to happen, but it is my dream to have harvested every North American animal. At, what is it called? A super slam? Yeah. Um, that is my ultimate dream for as far as hunting goes. Wow. That's a, you it's definitely a pretty are a dreamer. Track. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a lot of motivation, man. And it's nothing that I'm like, I'm going to quit my job and go travel tomorrow. You know, it'll come in time. I'm only 30 years old. I got plenty of time. Remember who your friends are whenever you're uh, like, who do I take with me on this? Just saying. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I have tell no you, problems driving. <laughs> you know, this I am. I hope that within if Women of the Wild is going to continue to partner over in Africa, I really hope that within the next five years, I am able to get out there because I've heard and read about it and it just is, it seems like a life-changing experience. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so Felicia will tell you that her her view before and her view after did like a 180. And yeah. and not that she and not that she was like against going because obviously like it's exciting, you know, like I'm going to Africa and everything. But like to really see what that harvest does, you know, for like community. for the for the village, for every like what all goes into it. I'm sure you would love it not only just to be able to experience the harvest itself, but the education that she has has gotten while she was there the first time. I mean, to the point where now that's already written in her book every year she's going. Good, cuz I'm going to go one of these years. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to plan you, me and Megan. We'll all go with her. Yes. That would be awesome. That, that would, would be, be really cool. Yeah. I um Yeah, so those are my bucket lists. I mean, it's a pretty far stretch, but I mean, yeah. as far as the Africa strip, it's not a far stretch, but the, the Super Slam, I think, is a little far stretched for me. So there was a gentleman one time, there was a gentleman one time um, who came to the house and he was getting some baits and lures from us and everything. And he ended up doing that. Oh, he he's like, well, if I if he told he told me to Google him whenever he left. Like he was telling us all these little stories, and he's like, "And if you don't believe me, you can Google me." And I I can't for the re, like remember what his name is off the hand offhand. He ended up he was like a pharmacist. He had a pharmacy, and Wegmans had bought him out. So with oh, the really? money from with the money from that, he was able to achieve this. And like some of these trips, he went two or three times before he actually harvest a, that animal. Yeah. And that just, that's almost like mind blowing to me to think like he spent that much money and wasn't successful the first time or the second time. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh, but that's so cool. Like you got to think like at the end of that, the accomplishment. Yeah. This, and it takes a lot of motivation to have to complete something like that. Oh gosh. Yeah. I think I'll start with like, a guided moose hunt in <laughs> something like that. Just something small, like a moose or elk or something like that before I jump into chasing that ultimate dream. Yeah, that's cool, though. Well, so if you did start off something small, like you tried turkey hunting. Have you have you successfully harvested a turkey yet? No. Um, last year was my first year trying turkey hunting. And I got to say, it's almost more fun than deer because I don't have to be quiet. I just have to sit still, which I can do, but I get to actually like have a conversation with the turkey before they come in, you know, so, that deer doesn't even know that I'm there, but that turkey, he's looking for me. Right. I have not successfully harvested. Uh, yeah. Last year we only encountered Jake's and I had a big, huge Tom, but he was probably like 60, 70 yards out and I just... I was like, dang, he just didn't want to come in today. Yeah, I um, I agree with you. I like, I think I enjoy turkey hunting more than I enjoy deer hunting because of that reason. And I have a blind, so I get to move around a little bit more than you do. That even makes it a little more, um, but yeah, but yeah, I, well, and I bring up the turkey thing because we were, I believe it was at a, one of the women's weekends that. Actually, it was a women's of the women of the, the wild of the weekend. Wild, yeah, one. yeah, the trapping one, and you were out there just doing your turkey calls while we were trapping. And I just, I have to say, Aubrey, I, I really admire how much you put into things. You gotta practice, like, and I think that's awesome because you, know, you... No, I, still, I still did not use my diaphragm call. For that season, I only used the slate call because I still wasn't confident in my calling on the diaphragm. You got to practice. Wow. You got to try it all. I guess. What keeps you coming back to that stuff? Like that you're, you literally devote so much time. Like there is, and I, and I think that's amazing. I, I really, really, truly think that's amazing. But anytime that we're together or that we've spent time, it, there is always something that you're you're like you said you're practicing for your next thing you're researching information on this you're asking questions about that like 
you are, what keeps you coming back? You know, it's funny because the first word that pops into my head when you ask me that is failure. And then I succeeded and now it's passion. So in the beginning, it was, I can't do this, but I'm gonna. I'm clearly not doing something right, but I'm gonna do something right eventually and I will succeed. And then I did. And now that I've succeeded, it is the love of the adrenaline and the the take home of all of the profit from it for the wildlife for my family for me so if there was somebody out there who they're kind of on the fence like do i want to go hunting do i want to go trapping do i really want to do this like where would you say start and how where like what what advice would you give to somebody who's just kind of like yeah that sounds kind of cool but eh, i don't know if this is something i want to educate yourselves you, you have to have education on it and find that mentor for your first couple of times. I mean, honestly, if I would have gone out to go hunting by myself the first couple of times, I'd have been like, this isn't hunting, this is bird watching. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching the squirrels. What's the fun in hunting? We're just sitting here not seeing anything. But the fun in hunting was spending time together and, you know, learning about the tracks in the ground and whose poop is whose. And, you know, it's, it was the learning aspect. You have to find somebody that can do that for you. And actually, I think that Women of the Wild is a great resource for that. I mean, yeah. you can start out with your diver duck hunts and learn so much there. From I've not been on, a, on an excursion like that yet, but from what I've heard, on the previous podcast, there's so much to learn about there. It's not just let's go out and shoot something. It's let's learn how we go out and do something like this so that you can go home and do it on your own. Yeah, that's kind of the point. You know, like we are, you and I both are very fortunate to have someone who's willing to take us out and show us new things or experience that or even educate together you know like okay let's let's dive in this together we're very fortunate but not everybody has that and even for people who do have it sometimes it's it's a little nice to just go out with the other women and you can say I have no clue what I am doing here <laughs> you know yeah, like, without judgment right right because we always remember that I didn't have a clue one day right absolutely but yeah definitely and I think that even if if there's somebody out there listening and they wanted to get into stuff like this, but they see the events on Women of the Wild and they're just, I can't cut, I can't cut my vacation that day or I can't afford it or, you know, whatever your reason being, I think reach out and get that information, you know, via text or email, or you can always ask questions. Well, how many decoys do I use? Or, you know, what's the right camouflage? Well, there isn't an answer for that, but, <laughs> you know, there's, always somebody that's willing to help even from across the country and it's funny the connections that you make like you and I for instance like I absolutely love you I like you have become somebody in the outdoors that I I lean into like we we've had quite a few conversations about things in the outdoors you know like Ugh, what do I do here what do I do there what you know I miss this or you know just even it, talking about frustrations and everything else we started just you met me I believe it at a traveling convention and it was a little question here a little question there and that was it and now I feel like we've become pretty good friends yeah and, and I that's... did I remember I had a question and you were like FaceTime me and I FaceTimed you on the trap line and you were like, put a trap right over there. And this is why, because the wind is from this prominent direction and you've got the corners here. And it wasn't just put a trap there. It was, here's why I would put a trap there. And I caught something. Actually, I caught my first possum off of that set after I caught a coyote. Oh, gotta love those possums. <laughs> <laughs> Linda special. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh. Don't ever go to Tennessee because that is all you will catch. And they are huge. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, total sidebar for anybody who's listening here. But, like, if you've ever seen a New York fox, a Tennessee possum, I am not kidding, is, like, just as big. What? <laughs> they are insane. They are literally insane. And when I was down there, 
I even turned my pan tension up to try not to catch them. Oh my and goodness. I think it like I left with like 32 of them or something. Like it was insane. Yeah, it was crazy. crazy. Well, and the the most frustrating part about it was is that we had cameras on certain places and I would watch this possum come up to my trap. He would step in the trap and like 10 minutes later I'd watch the coyote walk right past no. the possum. Oh no. It was awful. It was awful. So anyhow, we're getting off track. Sorry about that, but it was horrible. So Aubrey, we're coming up on our hour here, but I, um, if anybody ever wanted to reach out to you, kind of follow you on, you know, social media, how would they find you? Yeah. So I am on Instagram. My Facebook is kind of more private for my family members and close friends, but for followers, for the things that we do outdoors or I do by myself, I'm on Instagram as somewhere underscore outdoors 831. And I use that somewhere outdoors as my YouTube channel as well. That's a little run behind. I haven't been keeping up with it. I think you need to do some YouTube on bees. On what? On honeybees? I, yeah. I thought about it because my YouTube channel is kind of in the beginning started off as just trapping. And then now I have actually I don't yet have the videos up, but I do have some footage from my previous hunting this year that I need to get put together and put up on the channel. And we do include some processing of our meat birds and stuff like that as well that I need to get up on the channel too. If anybody's going to go to my YouTube, they're going to be like, this lady hasn't uploaded anything <laughs> because it's been a couple of years. But that is another place where you could find me. But mostly it's going to be my Instagram, which is somewhere outdoors 831. Well, thank you very much, Aubrey, for joining us, for talking about, you know, being new to the outdoors. I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there that can relate. And I have to say, yes, we may be friends, but you definitely inspire me all of the time. I love talking to you about things. I love the fact that you are such a sponge when it comes to stuff. Like I almost feel sometimes like even if I ask you something and you don't know it, I'm going to hear from you in about a month and you're going to be like, so this is what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I I just want to know, not know it all is the wrong term, but I want to have knowledge. Yeah. You can never have too much knowledge. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you very much, Aubrey. We appreciate the fact that you took the time to sit down and talk. Thank you so much. And I'm so honored. I'm thrilled to be here. Have a great night. You too.